Welcome to Yo Today. I'm Paul Pepys, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Aris Hall, coordinator of the Lily Reynolds Parker Black Cultural Center at the University of Oregon. Dr. Hall earned her BA in public administration from Kentucky State University, a master's degree in college student personnel from the University of Louisville, and a PhD in educational leadership from Clemson University. She joined the University of Oregon in 2019. Thanks, Dr. Hall, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. So tell us first a little bit about your background. I am a Southerner, so I am from Atlanta, Georgia uh, originally and was born and raised there and have lived all over the Southeast. And this is my first time living here in the Pacific Northwest and on the West Coast. Uh, so I have been in higher education for about 15 years almost, which seems crazy to say, um, working uh, full time and also going to school. Uh, for my doctoral program full time. Uh, and so along the way, I have been uh, in housing and residence life to student activities and student life, as well as academic affairs and coming back full circle to student affairs and diversity work. So what, what led you to take up a career in higher education and higher education leadership? How did you wind up making that choice? Um, so I was a uh, student worker in our student life office in my undergrad institution, as well as an RA, um, so resident assistant in housing. And during that time, I really enjoyed working with students and my peers. Um, and I had the opportunity of joining uh, NASPA, which is our National Association for Student Personnel Administrators organization and joining their kind of junior program, which is called NUF, so NASPA's Undergraduate Fellowship Program, um, and had the opportunity to go through my undergrad institution who paid for it, me to go to my first ever conference. And I really just enjoyed it and saw a future in still working in higher education. Um, I wanted to, my degree is in public administration, so nonprofit is still along those same lines in higher education, but just a little different, um, even now <laughs> from a long time ago, I feel like, um, from graduating. And so it, it kind of meshed all the things I wanted to do together, um, including um, <clears throat> I originally wanted to go to school for event planning. And at the time, my parents were like, event planning, you're never going to make any money from that jokes on them, I probably could have made probably more money in higher education, but here I am, uh, and I really enjoy the impact that I make on students daily. Wonderful. So tell us what led to the establishment of the Lily Reynolds Parker Black Cultural Center. It's an important and interesting story. Yeah, so this preceded me coming to the University of Oregon. Um, there was a group of students uh, in called Black, a part of Black Student Task Force. And so around 2015, um, when the Michael Brown uh, murder happened in um, Missouri, and then also some other things were happening on college campuses around Black Lives Matter and around uh, making uh, specifically predominantly white institutions more aware of their Black students that they had on their campuses, um, there were protests and things across the camp, uh, across the, the United States at these different campuses. And so one of them happened obviously at the University of Oregon. Um, so students rallied and protest and advocated on behalf of themselves to have a space that they could be in community with one another. Um, and so 
along the way, there were also donors, generous donors to give the funding and the backing for a space as uh, of this caliber um, in having an, an actual physical space and not just a room or anything like that, having a full center. Um, and so in 2018, um, there was a groundbreaking um, after some generous donors, including the Patrons, who are lead donors um, for many large projects here at the university, along with our students. Um, and then in 2019, we had the opening uh, in October 2019 for the center, um, which was a few months before that, um, Lily Reynolds Parker, who is a prominent figure in Eugene, who was the, known as the first black baby born in the Eugene hospital here in uh, Eugene, uh, the building was decided to be named after her. So tell us what the mission of the Black Cultural Center is. Yeah, the mission is to really curate and offer a space for students, faculty, and staff who identify as being Black um, as a place for academic development and growth, personal development, social connectedness, and um, uh, cultural pride around being Black and, and also helping to raise awareness around what the issues and needs and desires are of our Black students, but also our faculty, Black faculty and staff who are limited numbers here at the University of Oregon. So what attracted you to the position of coordinator of the, of the Black uh, Cultural Center? Um, I think for me, as someone who's born and raised in the South and um, went to Circo Black College and University, my understanding of needing a space like this was a totally different uh, idea for me for my undergraduate uh, education. And then along the way, as I went to predominantly white institutions, it was different. And I've worked at um, all types of institutions at this point. And so I think the opportunity to instill and to fabricate and um, knit together the importance of what it means to be Black uh, at this university and create uh, opportunities for students through programming and connections and, and meaningful work was really what geared me um, to start looking at this position. And then, you know, it was a challenge as well because no one had ever been in the role. What could I do to establish different things to offer our students, um, future students uh, and current students um, the opportunity to engage in this space. And um, it just can be something totally different in a different realm um, that I would be able to uh, continue to develop myself professionally as well. So you've already started to answer this question, but tell us a little bit more about your responsibilities as the coordinator. So they're, they're ever evolving and lots of things to uh, make sure that we uh, attend to the needs of obviously the students and what they need. Um, so a big part of my job is programming and working with our, our student employees uh, to produce programs that students would like to go to, um, both that kind of center around different things from leadership and outreach to student engagement, um, to health and wellness, um, and some other things in between to make sure that we are doing academic programming. Um, so that's kind of our, our gear towards there. But then there's other things that I do around um, advancement and development. So helping to indirectly or directly raise money um, for the center and our programming and our funding um, opportunities there, as well as our scholarship um, that we just started this last uh, this past uh, summer. Um, and so there's a 
a tons of a ton of things that I feel like we do all the time here. Uh, some of them are easier said than like to explain to everyone. But I think the one thing I like to tell people is that we are here and we meaning me and the students in the building itself um, are really here to open up the space to let students know that this is a place that they can call home while they are here at the University of Oregon and have people that look like them as much as they are in spaces and in classes when many times that they're the only one. And so this allows them to come back in and feel like they have a community and can share in the same aspects of learning and community development, um, just in a smaller engaged space with people that look like them. So tell us about um, one recent event uh, that you uh, organized and was hosted by the BCC. Yeah, um, so our most recent one was on Saturday. Actually, we took uh, 25 students up to uh, Portland, Oregon, and they uh, first 25 students who um, signed up able to go to the Portland Trailblazers versus Los Angeles Lakers game, which is a huge deal because we have a lot of West Coasters and then often a lot of um, Lakers fans as well as home team fans uh, here. So it gave them an opportunity that was something different that I don't think they've done in a while, at least from my knowledge, um, is to be able to leave the campus but still be in community with one another and go do something in Portland. Um, and so that was a really fun trip. I think the other thing that the last thing, the next thing that we're hosting is tomorrow, the live stream watch party for the Michelle Obama um, common reading. Um, and so the two students that were selected are both my students. Um, one works for me and then the other one, it has, I met both of them the first day that I was here on campus uh, and for the first day of my job and we did pictures and all these other things. And so they have really become special uh, young men to me. And I'm really excited about that. So that's our next event um, that's really special. And again, that's the partnership and, and the different things and collaborative opportunities that we offer here at the BCC. So you, you, you mentioned uh, a number of uh, resources that are available and you mentioned there's a new fellowship. So why don't you tell us about that fellowship program? Yeah, so we started the scholarship program this, um, it launched last winter, so this past winter 2021, uh, and um, we received funding and don donor, uh, generous donor donations um, through a duck funder campaign and then also through a lead donor um, who gave X amount of dollars for the next five years over a five-year period. And so that started it and it continues to grow. And so we offer a scholarship that students are able to apply to whether they are an incoming student or they are a law student. It goes and runs the gamut of the amount of people who can apply so that we are retaining students at every um step an academic classification that they're in. Um, and so this year we were able to award 10 scholarships uh, and hopefully we'll be able to award more as the years go on and as our, our donors grow and the generosity of folks grows. Um, and so, and with that, um, there are a couple of things that students get some extra points for. So if you're an out-of-state student, you get extra points for that, as many of our out-of-state students don't qualify for some of the scholarships. And so we want, I wanted to make sure that because a number of our Black students are um, from out of state, um, we wanted to make sure that they had an opportunity and got a little more points for that because they don't normally get that um, with some other scholarship opportunities. And then um, if they're a part of ethnic studies major or minor, um, black studies minor, 
Um, or if they have some involvement with the Black Cultural Center and they get extra points for that, there's a couple of different things that you get extra points for along the way, which really helps them to make their um, application more well-rounded than just applying just because you need the money and not that that's not important, but it's also about making sure that you've been engaging in our community. Um, and so that's another part of it. How have you been engaging in the Black Cultural Center community? So tell us some of the strategies that you use at the BCC to foster student leadership and academic achievement. Um, I think the academic achievement comes from the scholarship, number one. And I think the other thing is through our collaboration with the Center for Multicultural Academic Excellence, CMAE, uh, which is um, within Oregon Hall. Um, and so uh, our partnership there uh, really started with Stella Marie Akindayomi, who is an academic advisor and uh, Black student retention specialist. Her and I uh, started about a month apart from each other. Um, and this is an initiative we started from the get-go, um, really, to foster academic support and success and also help them to understand students to have more awareness of the other uh, student support services on our campus. Um, and so we have career development come in. We have um, Stella Marie come in to do academic advising. Um, this year we started a Snapchat. So um, from 1.45 to 2.30 on Tuesdays, we have different UO administrators come in to have conversations with our students so that they're not just asking me about what do our students need? Um, specifically Black students, what do they need? Um, they're actually getting able uh, to talk to our Black students and their lived experiences because I wasn't a student here, so I don't know what that looks like or feels like, especially in this post-COVID life. Um, we do different workshops that we offer throughout that day too. I think the other thing about student leadership is that we offer uh, student employment. So I have five student leads, which are um, elevated student positions where they help with curating the programming. Uh, they have to do two active programs and one passive program um, each term. Um, and then I have about five to six center assistants who are our front desk, front desk uh, receptionists. Um, and they also support programming. So anything that we need to make sure that a program goes off without a hitch and um, that they're there to help with that too. And I, I say they're a part of everything that we do because I can't do it on my own because I'm one person. And so they make all the things happen um, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, whether I can be there or not. Um, because if I was here all the time, then I don't know if I would make it. So they're here um, supporting the center when I'm not able to be here um, as our center is open from 9 a.m. to um, 8.15 p.m. Uh, Monday through Thursday, and then Friday, 9 a.m. to 7.15 p.m. Fridays, and then Sundays, 1.30 to 6.30. Um, so there's a lot happening. And it's also, it's just a place where students can come and use it as like their own little personal library. So you've already mentioned uh, partnerships in passing with CMAE and with Black Studies and with Ethnic Studies and the Career Center. Are there any other collaborations you've done with other cultural centers on campus or in the community that you'd like to share with us? 
Um, yeah, so we, um, we uh, the director, Stuart, of the Many Nations Longhouse, Katie Staten and I, um, as well as the Mills Center and Multicultural Center, we meet, we try to meet monthly. This term has been a little crazy coming all back on campus, but we meet monthly to talk about what we're doing in our different areas and our different spaces that offer opportunities for um, uh, marginalized students, right? Um, I have a partnership with our LGBT services person um, and the LGBTQA3 office um, as they have a, um, a student that works with their QSOC um, student group. And so we partner, we try to, I try to have a student partner with them on different things and different activities that we're making sure that student, our students know about. Because the one thing I'll tell people all the time is as Black students, faculty and staff, we our intersections of identities are, are vast and nuanced. And so making sure that I'm reaching every student I possibly can, no matter where they're coming from, um, because it's important to make sure that they're all feel, they all feel welcomed and supported. Um, in our space and for our, our different activities. Um, and then the last one that's a community partner, but also a campus partner is working with the Jordan Snitzer Museum of Art um, this year, uh, or well, the last year and a half, I say this year, and it feels like it's gone by so quickly um, after being in the house for so long. Um, but we partner with them on the Black uh, Lives Black Lives Matter art exhibition. And so that's where 20 um, artists were selected uh, from a group of panelists, so myself and a couple other people included in that, um, to select Black artists or artists who were doing um, art around Black Lives Matter at the time of the George Floyd murders last summer in 2020. And so that exhibit has been well received um, I saw it early on and I need to see it one more time before it ends on November 21st uh, because it, it's just phenomenal and they actually just happen to have some, um, um, I just, his name just escaped me, um, but a very famous artist who died early on, a black artist, um, Basquiat. Uh, they just happen to have him, also, some of his paintings as well, uh, at the same time and it's like outside of that exhibit. So it kind of all just worked together and um, has really displayed young, new novice artists as well as mature older um, artists to be a part of this center, to be a part of that exhibit and that partnership just has really um, put a mark on what the arts look like. And so the, I think something that sometimes always miss is the arts because we're so focused on STEM. And so we're able to refocus on art and making sure that our students who connect with that more are able to be a part of that as well. Yeah, I'll just say that uh, please go to the Jordan Schnitzer Museum to see the Black Lives Matter show. It's an amazing show until, uh, what did you say, November 14th? 21st. 21st. Yeah, definitely do that. So my next question is, how do you and the BCC collaborate with the Emoja Black Scholars Academic Residence Community? Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm, I play all roles to all people. Um, and so I am the program coordinator and one of the co-faculty directors along with Dr. Courtney Cox and Dr. Selena Simpson. Uh, Dr. Courtney Cox is out of uh, Ethnic Studies and Dr. Selena Simpson is the Associate Director for Pathway Organ um, and Degree Progression. And so the three of us uh, have curated a very strategic way to make sure that our students incoming first year Emoja scholars 
are oriented to the campus because we understand that what they learned in introduction probably went in one ear and out the other um, over that time after they moved, left our campus uh, for orientation. Uh, and so we have been this term, uh, it was my term to teach. And so I've been inviting campus partners to come in and talk about their different services and support that they offer students, um, whether it's job related or um, just support academically or physically or emotionally, whatever that is, to make sure that they stay connected. And the next term um, is uh, Dr. Selena's term, term, and she'll teach on Black history, Black future. Uh, so really focusing on Black History Month and, and different things around um, discussions around Black uh, identity development. And then in the spring term, Dr. Uh, Courtney Cox will focus on uh, career networking and professional development and research opportunities. Um, and so this has been an interesting year to start back up. And so they are able to take two classes. Um, so they, they're taking intro to AFAM, so African-American studies in this term. And then next term, they um, are taking race sex and hip-hop with Dr. Sharice Cheney, who is the newly uh, Black Studies faculty director. And so that's a way that we're, we're bringing all the things together, right? The academic side, the social side, as well as uh, the student life, uh, student affairs side of things um, is to connect them all. So I'm there working with them and seeing them weekly. And so this year we have 18 scholars, um, which is the largest I think they've had. Uh, since its inception um, about six or seven years ago. Um, and so we can we hope to continue to grow this program and letting students know that this is an opportunity for them as first year or even some second years are there because they didn't get that opportunity last year to live on campus. So um, you've already alluded a couple of times to the challenges that the BCC confronted with COVID. Will you tell us a little bit about what some of those challenges were and how you dealt with them? Yeah, uh, so we opened fall, October 2019, halfway through October, um, and we all went home in March. Um, and so it, we were only open for about four and a half, five months. Um, and within that time, obviously, I didn't have as much of a connection with students. I had student staff, thankfully. Um, so they were able to help support um, creating uh, online virtual programs. Um, and so it was a real big change and a shift to have to move from trying to get to know these students to then having to engage them and make sure that they were mentally and physically okay, um, especially once um, the deaths and murders of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd just um, became more publicized and socialized through media. And so um, I think that was the part that really uh, not having known students as well, because it was a big shift to move on campus, move from off uh, on campus to off campus and virtual. And they're learning what that looks like too, um, was a challenge. And so they, they succeeded in making it work. Um, while many of them uh, I would say half of my staff loved it, half of my staff didn't. I think it just depend on your personality and what you needed. By this past January, I was over it um, myself. And so I started coming back into the office every day in January because I'm in a building by myself. And I think it was the same way for our students um, after a while. 
navigating whether they were at home or still here in Eugene, what did that look like and feel like to them? And so helping them to navigate that was definitely a challenge. Um, but it also allowed everyone to, I think, see the more human side of each other and knowing that it, we're all going through it together um, and that they could see inside my house when I was at home. I could see inside theirs. Um, I also challenged them to turn on their cameras because I was like, I don't want to just be talking to a screen. It's really hard for me um, as someone who is also human and needs that interaction and is still trying to learn who you all are. And say a little bit what, about what it's like to be back in person. I'm, I'm so thankful to be back in person and have students back with me. Um, I think seeing them and seeing how much they're engaging in this space more and more every week is a little different. Some weeks it's a lull because of midterms or exams or whatnot, but then other weeks it's a high. And so they're engaged in the space a lot. And so I think for me, it's just nice to have them back on campus. I think for the students, they're, they're happy to be back mask or not. Um, you know, they will, they abide by my policies as well as the university's policies that we have to face, which are the same, um, but I don't have to correct people too often. So it's nice to have them come in and be a part of this space and also are seeing our black faculty and staff back on campus, as well as other colleagues, of course, um, but it's nice to be able to see people and in, in person and have that experience with them. So do you have any particular um, ambitions or goals for this academic year for the BCC that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, I'm working on a couple of projects, but one of them is uh, obviously Black History Month is coming up uh, in February. And so right now we're working on a planning, planning collaborative. I'm calling it a collaborative versus a committee um, because then it sounds a little better. Uh, also, it's us working together on building what it looks like for Black History Month so we're not planning on top of each other and that we're all working together as one. Uh, and so that meeting is this afternoon, which I'm really excited about, uh, the folks that have signed up to be a part of that. I think the other thing is as we continue to grow our scholarship fund um, and the funding there, uh, it's really important. And so it's my mission to continue to be able to offer students somewhat of uh, funds towards their education so that they can hopefully stay here at the UO and graduate. Um, and then I think the other thing is as we continue to uh, curate the space itself uh, and making it feel more homey. Uh, so we're working on a couple of projects to make it feel more at home with some paint and some other things to just get rid of some of our white walls and things like that, uh, which are nice, but now it's, it's time to bring some color into the space. We're coming to the end of our time. So this will be my last question. In addition to being the coordinator of the Black uh, uh, Cultural Center at the University of Oregon, you are also a PhD and a researcher. Would you tell us a little bit about the research that you do? Yeah, I wish I had more time to do the research that I do, but I study uh, historically Black colleges and universities, which I am an alum and passionate about um, wholeheartedly, um, and uh, collegiate athletics, and specifically student athletes and their, their involvement in and out of their sport. 
um, and the leadership opportunities there. So I hope to get back to that writing and focusing in on that uh, once we get a little more settled back from COVID um, and focus in on uh, what historically Black colleges and universities and their collegiate athletics need, um, as well as the comparisons to um, those who attend predominantly white institutions, Black students, Black student athletes who attend predominantly white institutions and their experiences. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and learning about your experiences and your uh, leadership of the Black uh, Cultural Center. Um, it's just been a huge pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Aris Hall, coordinator of the Lily Reynolds Parker Black Cultural Center at the University of Oregon. Thanks so much for watching. Mm -hmm.